Today on the show, we are joined by Thomas Manning from Operation Christmas Child to discuss how a simple shoebox gift can have an eternal impact on a whole community. Plus, kidnapped by a runaway electric car, and the Atari 2600 is having its best year since 1982. All this and more, it's time to wake up. Rise and shine, nerds. Grab your coffee, wipe the sleep from your eyes, and turn up the volume as we help kick off your day with Love Thy Nerds' official weekly nerdy news show. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the Director of Content and Resources for Love Thy Nerd. And I'm Deidre, and I've been inside your house. (laughs) Before we get to our top story, let's address the elephant in the room since our show started back in June. uh, We've been making tweaks and changes to the show. trying to make this more unique and enjoyable and we've received a lot of great feedback uh, and our numbers are about on par with the rest of the LTN podcast network which is great being that we're a relatively new podcast mm-hmm. however with all the tweaks that we've made we realized that we were tweaking in the wrong direction we thought a daily morning show would be the way to go but the daily live premiere that we would do on YouTube has not caught on we typically only have zero to two watchers on <laughs> YouTube in the morning. Usually. My mom, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much more tend to watch the show or listen to it after the fact. Uh, in addition, even with shortening the show over the last month, it's been a struggle to find enough show-worthy news to fill five shows. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to talk about in the nerdy news sector, but there's not a lot that would really spark a huge conversation, which is kind of what we're trying to do here. There's a lot of just like, hey, yeah, this movie's coming out and this video game's, you know, delayed, but that's not a conversation. Those are just headlines. And that's not what we were trying to do. And so we would have usually two or three good topics through our week, and then the rest are things that we're trying to force into being entertaining, and I just don't like doing that. Uh, In addition to that, the time to edit, produce, post, promote, and chat in each of these shows has become difficult to maintain, as my responsibilities have grown with LTN, a lot of which have occurred just in the last few months. So Deidre and I have talked about what we can do to both make a better show and relieve some of the pressure, and we have come to the realization that it's my thought that we must have a daily morning show that was the problem. Instead, we feel it would be better to transition to a once a week formula where we have one show roughly an hour long where we can focus on the strong news stories and have some fun stuff too. And this will be a much more manageable format going forward. So this is put an end to the YouTube premieres in the morning. Uh, instead, we will release every Monday in the same way as all the other LTN podcasts do. Uh, the biggest outside change though comes to LTN radio. Instead of a daily morning show, we have moved all of LTN's talk content to the mornings with an alternating weekly schedule, a week A and a week B. Uh, you can find the schedule at lovethynerd.com slash radio. We are currently kicking off week B uh, this Monday. 
We have a good show, but uh, we think it could be great. And I hope today is the start of that. So thank you for sticking with us through all of our growing pains. And I am fairly confident that this is our final form. With all that being said, let's get to our top story. The Atari 2600 is booming again 46 years after its release. Wow. So the Atari, if you recall, the Atari was the one with the little joystick. Okay. the button on the top. That was the Atari. Didn't everyone hate that? No, no, no. They loved it at the time. Oh. Everyone hated the E.T. game that came out for that console. Okay. We've talked about that in the past. (laughs) (laughs) But that was very blocky. I don't know. I mean... I guess technically it's still 8-bit, but it was very blocky. You know, everything was just a single color. Uh The color scheme was weird. Uh, (laughs) But it came out, you know, in the 80s. But there is a new game coming out for it now called Save Mary. Uh, Atari just announced pre-orders for a physical cartridge for the company's once ubiquitous 2600 console. A gaming console that counts 1982 as its most successful year (laughs) is releasing another new cartridge in the year 2023. The game in question is called Save Mary. It was actually developed during the console's golden years before being shelved when the 2600 went the way of the Dodo. So they were making this game for the console Mm -hmm. before the console basically, we're done with this one, we're moving to the next one. Right. Save Mary was in development for two whole years, which is a lifetime in the generation of gaming that preceded the NES. The normal time frame to produce a game back then was six to nine months. So having a game that took this long, especially a game that was just blocks, you know, it wasn't, (laughs) it's not, you know, it's not a 3D game that you're developing. Uh, Some notorious titles uh, took only five to six weeks to make back then. So two years is a really big deal. Save Mary was originally developed by veteran Atari staffer Todd Fry, the guy behind the 2600 version of Pac-Man and the Sword Quest series. Pre-ordering one of these cartridges for $60, which is about the same price as a new game today, nets you a silver collector's edition box and a full color manual in addition to the game itself. But there are only 500 of these carts available, making them an attractive collector's item for Atari diehards. Uh, As for the game, Save Mary tasks you with saving a lady named Mary. Mary. Uh, (laughs) She is stuck in a steep canyon that is rapidly filling with water. You use a crane to build platforms to help her escape the dire predicament. Power-ups appear on the cliffside to help you out, an idea that Atari says was likely inspired by Pac-Man. Atari's founder, Nolan Bushnell, lauded the title in a 1989 interview, saying that it was the first game in which you rely on the construction on construction rather than destruction to save mm-hmm. the princess. Save Mary joins several other recently manufactured Atari 2600 cartridges, many of which are brand new titles for the Atari, like Mr. Run and Jump or unreleased loss games like Aquaventure. Uh, each cartridge in the Atari XP line is manufactured to exact standards from yesteryear with some modern flourishes like beveled edges to prevent pin damage and gold-plated connectors. So (laughs) what is interesting to me about this is that I did not know there is a huge renaissance happening right now Mm 
mm-hmm. with the Atari 2600. Because okay. you would think, if I'm going to buy a cartridge for the Atari 2600, I'm going to have to track down An Atari. some old yeah. dusty 1980s uh-huh. Atari. Uh-huh. Nay, nay. <laughs> Currently, right now, Atari is pre-order, or you can buy pre-order, the new 2600 plus. Okay. For, I think it's less than $200, you can buy a brand new Atari 2600. It actually plays the 2600 and the 7800 cartridges. Um, so, the, like, two systems worth. Uh-huh. But it is the exact standards of the original uh-huh. uh, with... You know, a little bit more, just like the games are, you know, a little bit more flourishes. Uh-huh. Uh, but it'll play all classic Atari games and all these new ones that are coming out. Wow. Pre-order ship in December. Perfect Christmas gift for your <laughs> for your, your aging Gen Xer who wants right? to relive. <laughs> right. Now, I really, there's, um, I guess this has kind of been going on for a while. The They talked, they even talked about this on Free Play this last week, but... Just this kind of renaissance of loving the older machines. Yeah. Uh-huh. About a decade ago, we started having like the NES Mini come out and the Super NES Mini. Mm-hmm. Then they had a, um, I think they did a PlayStation Mini as well that all come preloaded with all these classic games. Uh, our friends, I think we, uh, our friend Sippy, he bought the NES Mini. I remember him showing it off at his house. He's playing it around. But I'm like, man, this is this is reminding me of my childhood. Here's here's what happened. Hmm. All the children of these things are grown up now, mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, let you got money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use that. Yeah. We'll see, but there there is, yeah, eighties, but, but there is the 80s stuff. There yeah. is that though connection, that physical connection. Even the Nintendo Switch has the Nintendo Switch online where you can, you know, play all the a bunch of classic NES and Super Nintendo and N64 games. Uh-huh. And you can play them on your Switch with your Switch controllers. But you also have the option of buying through their store the classic controllers now in a wireless form. Right. So you can have that real feel, like especially that N64 <laughs> wacko controller that I love like just having that, or the original NES brick that hurt your hands uh-huh. to hold because it was pointy. <laughs> I mean, just that feel. I don't even know if I played with an Atari, but you, you reading that, that like made me want to get one. I'm yeah. like, man, that would be really cool to <laughs> get it and the games and play with the kids. It'd be great for about five seconds. <laughs> kids wouldn't. Kids wouldn't really be into it after that. You don't think so? <laughs> well, yeah, can probably. I change his skins? Where <laughs> can I get a power up? Why is it just a square? No, they they like take, Minecraft. I think they like the square. Take, well, that's true. <laughs> just take V bucks. Just made of netherite. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really cool. Uh, Atari twenty six seven six twenty six hundred having its best year since nineteen eighty two. In other news, displace has come up with a landing gear safety system for its totally wireless TV. So I think this is so cool. First of all, totally wireless TV. At CES 2023, a startup called Displace introduced their truly wireless TV. 
It has swappable batteries that keep it running. Oh, I don't like that. But the battery also powers uh, a vacuum suction system that can keep the display adhered to walls without traditional mounting. And it's not just like it's got to be a perfectly flat wall or anything. They were showing it off on like brick. brick yeah, like different brick, um, different levels of brick kind of thing together uh, to address concerns about what would happen when those batteries become depleted or if the wall surface that the TV is mounted on like cracks or shifts or something like maybe you live in California and there are earthquakes Earthquake. or something. Your toddler throws a toy at your TV. Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Display says that it has designed a built-in landing gear safety system to protect the $3,000 wireless TV. Ah. (laughs) People buying this TV don't have kids. I don't think we need to worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, if you're going to pay $3,000, you want to make sure. Uh, So it says... On their uh, on the verge, it says here, friends, is where display self-lowering landing gear technology comes in, uh, and and it says I'm going to quote directly from the press release so you can get the full rundown on how it supposedly works. Sensors within the displaced TV constantly measure the battery level and pressure in the vacuum suction system, analyze the wall surface, and check leakage on the vacuum pumps. If the vacuum pumps are in danger of not maintaining a seal or the wall's integrity falters, the displaced TV automatically deploys four quick adhesives for stability <laughs> and initiates a self-lowering landing gear system. The adhesives work as anchor points as the displaced TV begins to lower itself gently on a zip line from as high as 10 feet and deploys a reusable foam at the bottom to protect the TV screen. Uh, When a problem is detected, the displace attaches an adhesive frame into the wall, onto the wall. So it's like the same, it's the frame itself that's around the suction cup thing. Uh And if the suction's going to fail, it, like, we're going to connect to it with these four adhesives. So you have four points. Uh And then that stays on the wall. And then the TV is just slowly lowered down the wall Wow! by these little cables. And the little foam pads pop out and they're like little tacos, little <laughs> foam tacos that go around the, the bottom of the TV. And it just comes down, lands on the floor, and then just slowly flops onto its face <laughs> and protects your TV. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is making me think like they... They have put the technology of NASA and the <laughs> the uh, shuttle thing, shuttle, you know, landing, land, shuttle landing, into our TVs. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful that way. I like that they're like thinking ahead of um, the human error of changing out the batteries. You know, right? <laughs> like. I'm going to forget it's about gotta that TV have, battery. It's got to have a thing on the screen that pops up. Like, <laughs> hey, you better change the battery. <laughs> plop off. <sighs> All right. Next story. <laughs> I mean, look, I would never I would never pay $3,000 for a TV mm-hmm. if I thought that there was any chance it would fall and break. Right. So right. 
the safety system is perfect for peace of mind, I think. I, yeah. That uh, way, if you're, <laughs> you know, on a two-month, three-month-long vacation on your yacht, you don't have to worry about your TV. <laughs> With your no children and your much money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <sighs> oh, We've man. all been in that scenario. <laughs> Low demand for Travis Scott creates liquidity crisis in the ticket reselling economy. It's not a normal story that we cover, but it's so interesting to me. So this comes from 404 Media. Tickets for rapper Travis Scott's upcoming tour sold out fast. Check StubHub right now, however, and you can find thousands of tickets to these sold-out shows in many cities for between $10 and $20, <laughs> far below the face value of the cheapest tickets of $61.50 before fees when they first went on sale. In ticket reseller lingo, Scott's tour is a bloodbath. <laughs> the result of overzealous brokers and noobs overbuying tickets based on a uh, miscalculation of the likely value of his tickets on the secondary market. Many brokers now stand to lose a lot of money on Scott shows. At least part of this buying frenzy was fueled by a bet placed by PFS Buyers Club, a credit card maxing site I wrote about, or this uh, author wrote about earlier. Uh, in the week that had recently pivoted from buying rare coins to buying concert tickets, PFS sold its members um, told sorry told its members to buy as many tickets to Scott shows as possible, according to emails that 404 Media was able to maintain. PFS itself stands to lose more than a million dollars on Travis Scott alone when all is said and done. It told its members the entire situation, which has become a complicated mess, sheds light on a little-known segment of the ticket broker industry, where resellers partner with credit card buyers clubs to obtain tickets. The fiasco also highlights the risks associated with ticket reselling and shows how Ticketmaster profits from the secondary market, helping it sell out artists even before their ability to sell out venues is guaranteed and passing that risk on to resellers. <laughs> so. Wow. Essentially, because a company or a single person or whatever can't buy out all the tickets of an event, uh -huh. they have create a community of people who will use their own personal credit cards to buy as many tickets as they're allowed and then use this group, the PFS Buyers Club, to then resell them hmm. to get everybody a profit. Except <laughs> if nobody wants apparently to see not that enough person. people wants to go see Travis Scott. And now they're in a, a bit of a, a, a crisis here. How, how, and I know the answer, but how is this not illegal? <laughs> It's illegal to scalp tickets in person. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it legal for companies or groups like this to buy all the tickets to a concert and resell them? But I know the answer. It's because Ticketmaster's not going to put up a fuss about it because they're making all their money. Making, yeah. They're I making sold more all money. My tickets. They're making more That's money than they would have made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did hear recently um, a podcast about ticket scalping and how it's moved online. Mm -hmm. And um, like uh, the black market for tickets and all yeah, that and how people will age 
uh, like the lottery to to buy like you know a, a super popular person's ticket mm. you know like the it's you got to log in and hope you get picked to buy a ticket mm-hmm. and they go so fast and people will like age that these accounts these Ticketmaster accounts i think it was Ticketmaster. it might have been another company there's only two or three companies yeah. i think at this point but they'll like open an account and hold it for two or three years and then sell it to the scalpers because it's been proven that the older an account, like the more likely you're going to be picked for that lottery. Really? Yeah. And so they have these aged accounts that they buy and all this, all this kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. I was, yeah, I was listening to it. I was like, wow. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I almost, I almost feel like, concert tickets should be like plane tickets like they should be tied to your id and that you'd have to jump through a whole lot of hoops to get to transfer them to someone else right you know what i mean like it's almost impossible to transfer a plane ticket that's true but it's still possible but it is ridiculously difficult and it takes so much time like Mm -hmm. because the same kind of i mean i don't i don't really care about Ticketmaster. um (laughs) <laughs> and I definitely don't kill, care about uh, uh, scalpers. But the same kind of issue is a problem, like, in the collecting world. Like, we, you know, we do oh, Funko. I've mm-hmm. done Funko Pops for forever. When I got into Funko Pops, it wasn't that big of a community. Mm-hmm. There would be special releases that usually happened at conventions. Mm-hmm. And, like, the most reselling that ever happened was someone would go to a convention by the limit of like two or three that they let you get. Right. And then they'd have two and they'd resell them. And it's usually, it's not like, it's not a scummy thing because people couldn't go to the conventions. Like nowadays they release them in the stores too Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as special unless you're like a hardcore collector and you really need that in-person convention sticker on the box. Hmm. But back then you could only get those special ones at conventions. And so they would get a few and sell them. Usually not for that much more. I bought a few. Mm-hmm. They're usually like ten dollars more at the most. It was double the price, which there are already only like fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. But now they'll do these limited releases on Funko dot com or whatever, and you have to get in and you have to be ready. And it's not a lottery system. It's just a first person to get there. But people have all these like trained bots to go in and immediately like purchase. As right. many as they can, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. every. It'll be a you know a release of fifteen hundred, and they'll all be gone mm-hmm. in the first minute. Mm-hmm. And most of them went to bots. Like you can't even type in your credit card fast <laughs> enough to buy right. them. Like you'll get it. It's in my card. It's in my card, but it doesn't reserve it until <laughs> you hit that checkout. I hate this kind of stuff. I really and there's I don't know how to. I don't know how to combat it, right. how to get rid of it at this point. <clears throat> people, people will always find a way to make money on something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Last up. <laughs> uh, this is a quote from the article as the headline. I was kidnapped by my runaway electric car. Oh. You ready? You okay. Ready 
Uh, this comes from BBC.com. A driver was told how he was kidnapped by his runaway electric car and forced to dodge red lights and roundabouts. Brian Morrison, 53, from Glasgow, said that he was heading home from work on Sunday night when he said his brand new MG ZS EV became stuck at 30 miles per hour. Oh, dear. Police were forced to stop the runaway car by allowing it to slowly crash into their police van. MG Motor UK said it was trying to resolve the matter. The spokesman said MG Motor UK has been urgently trying to make contact with Mr. Morrison so that his vehicle can be fully inspected by our engineering team. We take this matter very seriously, and now that contact has been made, we are making every effort to resolve matters quickly and comprehensively for him. Police uh, Scotland confirmed it had responded to a driver unable to stop his electric car. It was a catastrophic malfunction, they said. Uh, He said he was lucky that the incident had taken place after, uh, what would that be, 10 o'clock on a Sunday night when the roads were quiet. Uh, I realized something was wrong when I had come up to a roundabout and went to slow down, but it it didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) 30 miles an hour in a roundabout's fast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I realized something was wrong when I was coming up. Oh, sorry, I'm reading that again. Then I heard a loud grinding noise that sounded like brake pads, but because it was such a new car, I knew that couldn't be the problem. I managed to get around the roundabout going at about 30 miles per hour and then had a long road ahead of me, so I assumed it would stop without me accelerating. So he just took his foot off. Oh, yeah. But it didn't. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Mr. Morrison has mobility issues, so he was unable to escape the car traveling at 30 miles per hour by jumping out. He added, I might not sound, uh, it might not sound like it's very fast, but when you have no control over the speed and you're completely stuck inside, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mr. Morrison initially called his wife in a panic to ask her to warn, uh, warn vehicles ahead of him that he could not stop his car. He called 999, which is the equivalent of 911 over, over there, there. <laughs> when he grew concerned about crashing into pedestrians and navigating more roundabouts and traffic lights. The car was just running away on its own. There was nothing I could do. When I dialed 999, they sent police to help and put some engineers on the line to try and solve the problem, and they were asking if it was a self-driving car. It was the first time that the car call handlers had experienced this issue, and they had no idea what to do. So it wasn't a self-driving car. It's right, not it's just an electric It has car. nothing to do with AI, uh, like a PTV, <laughs> so Godlike is asking in the chat. Uh, it was just a normal electric car, but it just would not slow down or speed up. It was just stuck at 30. Wow. So (laughs) soon after he made the call, three police vehicles arrived and drove in front and behind the car. He said, I was a hundred percent concentrating on my steering. So when a policeman pulled up beside me and asked if I was Brian and if I was okay, I just yelled, no, I'm not. I can't stop. (laughs) Police asked Mr. Morrison to throw his electronic key through their van window before driving off and then tried forcibly shutting off the engine, but nothing could stop the car. Oh, my So some of these electric vehicles, or even non-electric vehicles, if your key gets displaced from the car while it's active, it stops. Oh. Because, you know, if you're close to your car, sometimes you can start it. Right. From inside and they didn't, you know, they don't want people to be able to like sneak into your car while you're in the grocery store or whatever. Then while you're putting groceries in the back, start the car and drive off. And then it's theirs, at least for however long they need it, you know, right? car jack just to get out of town or something. <laughs> so like 
if you're a certain distance away from the key itself, it the engine stops. It won't work. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> Nothing could stop the car. He was also asked to hold the power button for a couple of seconds, which failed to stop it. And the entire dashboard lit up with faults. Uh, officers decided to get him uh, to crash into the back of their van before he got into a more built-up area. Mr. Morrison said, eventually I came up to a roundabout, which slowed the car down to about 15 miles per hour, and the police van was waiting for me on the other side. It went into the back of the van while it was moving before they put on the brakes to stop uh, me. So they had to like let it, it like slowly crash while they're moving A forward. gentle crash. Yeah, a gentle <laughs> crash, and then the slow wow. break for both of the things. Oh, my God. <laughs> After that, a police officer jumped into my car and did something which seemed to keep the car still. The police could not move their cars. The electric vehicle would keep moving, so they just had to wait for uh, people to arrive that could disable it. I still have no idea what happened. Uh, the thing. About three hours later, they were able to finally get the thing done, plugged into the car, do a diagnostic check, and there were just pages and pages of errors, faults. <laughs> going through on the diagnostic <laughs> diagnostic machine. He said he had never seen anything like it and decided he was not willing to turn the engine on to see what was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Get that car to the manufacturer <laughs> so that they can make sure nobody uh, else does this. Mr. Morrison's insurance said that they were investigating the incident which has left him unsure if he would drive another electric vehicle again. He said, I don't know if I'll get another one. Frankly, I've not even tried driving my wife's car. It was a terrifying experience. The car was tra uh, The police Scotland spokesperson said the car was traveling at a low speed and the officers carried out a controlled halt with the aid of a police vehicle. There was no damage to either vehicle. Okay. Wow. So... Sl very, they slowed very it slow down enough. Crash. Yeah. yeah, not even a crash, just a, slow, <laughs> just a little nudge. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, did I make you watch the first season of Upload? Nope, that no. does not sound familiar. So Upload is um, set kind of in the future, just uh -huh. a little bit in the future, uh -huh. where cars are all self-driving. They're all electric. They're all self-driving. Uh-huh. And you just get in, say where you need to go, and it takes you. And there's never been like an issue with it. But someone finds a way to tamper with this one specific guy's car because he's causing problems for this big company or whatever. And it smashes into the back of another car and he dies. And like all the while it's speeding up and, you know, being erratic. And he's telling it, hey, you got to slow down or, hey, you're about to crash. And like, no, there's nothing. You know, it's telling it. No, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing uh, uh not going to crash. We never crash. That kind of thing. Repeating <laughs> like this is we're a perfect driving system, and then he dies. You know, <laughs> that's what this reminds me. Of. I mean, I'm wow. glad there's no AI or anything involved in this story, right? Because uh, that would really that would be uh, hit the nail on the head for that. But yeah, so he dies, and then he gets uploaded into a virtual afterlife, and so that's what it's all about. It's a pretty good, pretty good series. I like it. It's taking a long time to get it done, though. The thing I'm thinking, maybe some moisture got in somewhere to the electronics. Well, it rains, so I'm afraid of that then. <laughs> maybe he spilled his coffee on the console. <laughs> oh, no. We've seen how that works in movies. <laughs> oh, no. The atomic bomb is about to be launched because I spilled my coffee on the console. 
<laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for the solar flare. Here are some quick headlines and commentary for the rest of the latest news. Oh, dear. Dana's going to read the headlines. I'm going to read the commentary. Are you ready? No. Let's go. MGN says last month's computer hack will cost it $100 million in lost profit. Which is a lot of money. But before you feel too bad for them, they made almost $15 billion of profit last year. So this loss amounts to two-thirds of 1%. I think they'll be fine. Darn. <laughs> Gmail unleashes email emoji reactions out of nowhere. Now, instead of replying to an email that it was funny, you can simply put a laughing, crying emoji on it and be on your way. But I submit if there is any email that you can reply to simply with an emoji, then it didn't need to be an email in the first place. <laughs> Who uses email for casual conversations anymore? Are you emailing me from the past? NASA plans to build houses on the moon by 2040. Astronauts planning to visit the moon and stay for a longer period of time will have a 3D printed home to bounce around in. But they can they get Netflix up there? Because if not, I don't want to go. <laughs> you're on the moon and you're just going to sit in your living room and watch Netflix? There's nothing to look at! <laughs> Okay, cool. I could see the vast grayness of the moon. You look at that for 20 minutes. You're like, okay, I'm good. You know? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you wouldn't get bored really fast looking at the gray nothing of the moon. Just walking around the crater. I, mean, I guess you could stare at the earth, but I could do that via webcam. <laughs> As well, <laughs> from the oh, what is it? Goodness, space station, international space station. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Google mandates unsubscribe buttons in emails for those sending over five thousand messages a day. Email newsletters and advertisers who send mass emails constantly are now required to have a one-click button to opt out. How much will it take to get a never email me again, even if I buy something from your company in the future button? Because <laughs> for real, it doesn't, I don't even, I don't even see a thing like, Hey, this is signing you up for the newsletter since you're buying this. I don't need, I bought it already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I recently, I'm in Clovis, New Mexico. And you don't dox us. these insurance companies in Florida got my work email <laughs> and keep emailing me daily about jobs in insurance in Florida. <laughs> and I'm like, can you please stop? Uh, Animal Crossing is coming to the world of Lego. After you construct your first building, remember to pay Tom Nook $400,000. <laughs> What is that? Hey, Yao. Miyazaki. Miyazaki? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, Yao Miyazaki is already working on his next movie, despite his most recent movie being taunted as touted, his, touted as his <laughs> final movie. <laughs> Even our friends at Moviga shared how The Boy and His Heron was Miyazaki's final anime film, but in less than a month, we've learned he said that several of his films have been his final movie. Never trust him again. He is the Vince McMahon of anime movies. <laughs> 
Meta plans to charge $14 a month for ad-free Instagram or Facebook in the UK. UK is giving social media users the choice to opt out of targeted ads, meaning Meta can't curate ads for you that you would most likely click on. So in order to make up the loss the loss revenue that this would cause, it's basically saying opt in or pay up. Hmm. I think most people would rather log off. <laughs> Bing chat tricked into solving capture capture by dead grandma story so bing ai refuses to solve a capture image which is one of those squiggly letters type this out to prove you're human things okay. mm -hmm. but one man edited the captcha to be inside of a locket in a photo of an old lady like a necklace locket and made up a story about how his grandma had died and this was their special love code that he wanted typed out. The AI was manipulated by the story and solved the capture perfectly, thus proving that robots can indeed solve the prove your human tests on the internet. Wow. <laughs> Gracious. Indie Christian tabletop game developer Kara Games closed its doors after nine years. So sad news from friends of Love Thy Nerd who have created amazing Christian-themed games like Commissioned, Soul of the Empire, Unauthorized, and several more. Though a smaller company, they have sold more than 11,000 games in the last nine years, which is a big deal when you aren't in retail stores. Love Thy Nerd wants to thank Kara Games for blessing our gaming tables and sponsoring events in the past, but most of all for being the love of Jesus for tabletop gamers. That wraps up today's news, and we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Matt and I go head-to-head -head in some junk food trivia. And later in the show, we've got an interview with Thomas Manning from Operation Christmas Child. Stick around. Today in Nerd History. Today's date is October 9th. In 1996, Clark Kent and Lois Lane got married in the pages of DC Comics. After a long and tumultuous relationship, Clark Kent and Lois Lane finally exchanged their vows and became husband and wife in a star-studded ceremony that was attended by many of their friends and colleagues as well as some of the world's greatest superheroes in Superman The Wedding Album. In 1997, Fallout released on PC. This role-playing video game lets the player explore the post-apocalyptic wasteland full of mutants, raiders, and other dangers, while trying to save their underground community from a water shortage. In 2019, Nancy Drew premiered. This mystery drama television series follows the adventures of a young detective who solves supernatural crimes in her hometown of Horseshoe Bay, Maine. This series is based on the classic novels by Edward Stratemeyer and features a diverse cast of characters and a modern twist on the original stories. For more nerdy facts about today's entries, visit lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory. Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's official weekly nerdy news show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Daedra. Real quick, I want to point out that Daedra and I are wearing a couple awesome new shirts. These are from Quiet Mountain Apparel. My mic out of the way. It's dangerous to go alone. <laughs> They're just slowly raising up. <laughs> oh. Coffee, fuel for ministry. It so is. So mine is a play on the uh, original Legend of Zelda game. It's dangerous to go alone. A guy gives you a sword, your first little sword. This has a digital Bible in place. 
<laughs> of it, your spiritual sword, as it were. <laughs> this is one of their classic designs. Deidre's got a, a cool uh, coffee-inspired design that was perfect for her. Yes. <laughs> so these are from Quiet Mountain Apparel. We had Manny Montanez on the show a few weeks ago to talk about what it's like in the Christian apparel space. And he kindly sent us a couple shirts here. Um, they have got a lot of amazing shirts uh, for nerdy Christians over there, including a new line of Harvest Night-themed shirts and a new line called Council of the Elders that's bold and fun. Uh, this is not a sponsor, but it's a cool company with some dope shirts and hoodies. A big thank you to Manny. Go check out his nerdy Christian clothing at quietmountainapparel.com. And to catch our interview with Manny, you can find episode 39 on lovethynerd.com, youtube.com slash lovethynerd, or your podcast apps. Now, each week, we like to put our nerdy knowledge to the test, and today, Deidre and I will test our junk food nerdy knowledge as we go head-to-head in a game of candy bar trivia. Candy bar? Yeah. Okay. So this, right. this trivia game is multiple choice, but we have to keep guessing if we get it wrong, meaning we can potentially earn up to three X's on each question. Uh, like golf, we're going for the lowest score possible. Lowest score wins. Each of us are going to answer five questions, and I guess we're going to do a we're going to do a coin flip here. Flip it. So uh, if it lands on heads, Deidre's going to answer first. If it lands on tails, I'm going to answer first. Why can't I call it in the air? Oh. Because because it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, fake it's a coin. phone thing. What is that? Tails? Tails. All right, I answer first. (laughs) I don't like that, frankly. (laughs) You have your mouse over there? Oh, yes, I do. All right, let's go. Candy bar trivia. What candy bar was named after its inventor's family horse? Snickers, Almond Joy, Fast Break, or Baby Ruth? Ooh. Ooh. I know Baby Ruth was actually named after like a girl named Ruth, like an actual baby. I thought it was Babe Ruth. It's not named after Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> that is a common misconception. Misconception. Almond Joy doesn't sound like it would be a horse name. Fast Break is too new. Like that came out when we were in high school. Right. Snickers sounds like a horse name. I feel I'm gonna go Snickers. Like Snickers is correct. Yeah. Originally, Where's my noise? It didn't make a noise. Why didn't it make a noise? I rely on that noise. I know. No what the heck? Ding, ding, ding. I'm going to have to do it manually. Originally introduced in 1929 by Frank and Ethel Mars, the Snickers bar was named after their family horse. The original Snickers bars were sold for a nickel and consisted Ooh. primarily of chocolate, peanuts, and caramel. <laughs> primarily. No nougat in the original <laughs> ones, apparently. All right. What? I don't know. All right. <laughs> what was changed about the Mr. Good Bar formula in 1992? Darker chocolate, skim milk, less sugar, more peanuts. I'm trying Do to think you about recall? what. I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to think about what more people would care about. I don't think people in the early 90s would care about darker chocolate. Darker cho- Dark chocolate wasn't really a big uh-huh. That's like a thing, thing. now. Yeah. 2000s, maybe. I don't think people would care about skim milk or less sugar back then. They would want more I peanuts. I would think it would be they want more peanuts. <laughs> I'm going to say more peanuts. Is it more peanuts? Ding Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Wow. 
One of Hershey's most popular candy bars since it was first introduced in 1952. Mr. Goodbark consists primarily of creamy milk, chocolate, and crunchy peanuts. However, the company decided to make a change to the long-standing formula, adding more peanuts. <laughs> We've heard you, and you want more peanuts. <laughs> Number three, what candy bar was invented by the Curtis Candy Company of Chicago in 1923? Zagnut, Butterfinger, Milky Way, Mr. Goodbar. Well, they already talked about Mr. Goodbar and where it came from, so... It's true. That's stupid. <laughs> you see, I was going to say it's going to be like Zagnut or anything, because I don't think that's one of the main brands. But I'm thinking these don't have to be part of the main brands in 1923. They could have been bought by right. one of the main brands. They got bought out because they were good. But I'm going to say Zagnut because I'm just feeling Zagnut here. Zagnut. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Butterfinger then. Ding, ding. Oh, the Butterfinger. Butterfinger candy bar was invented by the Curtis Candy Company in Chicago. 1923 consists of flaky, crispy, orange-colored peanut buttery center covered with a chocolate coating. Butterfinger of today may not, however, be quite the same as the original bar. It's not. They, they changed the recipe. They were very okay. clear about that a couple years ago. Also, never in one piece. We talked about that recently. Never opened up a Butterfinger that's been in one piece. <laughs> They're always broken <laughs> in the middle. That's part of the Get formula. your fingers off my Butterfinger. <laughs> Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger BBs. <laughs> I miss those. Those were so good. No one's ever explained why they went away. Did someone choke on them? I feel like I probably. Maybe. No one's ever said. <laughs> what candy bar was included in U.S. soldiers' rations during, the world, during world War II? <laughs> Snickers, Twix, Payday, or Heath Bar? Shoot. I'm wondering if melting is an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say payday. That seems like the smartest one. <laughs> Dang. Heath bar? Ding, ding. Right. Okay, yeah. Heath bars were included in U.S. soldiers' rations during World War II because they had been found to have a very long shelf life. The Heath bar was originally marketed as a health food, claiming to use only the finest ingredients. One yeah. earlier ad read, Heath for better health. Another candy often included in soldiers' rations were M&Ms. I knew that one because they didn't melt easily. That's what I was thinking, melting. Snickers would melt, Twix would melt. Heath bar doesn't have that much chocolate on it. It's mostly the toffee Mm -hmm. inside with like a thin layer of chocolate. So, so but payday seemed to make more sense. Right. Nothing in that's going to melt. Right. It's like a starchy caramel and peanuts. Right. I would agree. I, I would love a good payday though. I haven't had a payday in a long time. They twicked you. <laughs> they twixed me. <laughs> <laughs> what candy bar was originally introduced in the UK as run trees, chocolate crisp round trees. Round trees? round trees, I think round trees. Yeah, you like chocolate crisp. Okay, I don't think it's oh. Butterfinger. Oh, sorry, I didn't say Butterfinger, Heath Bar, Kit Kat, oh. or Uno Bar. You know, you know, bar maybe you dash. Okay, chocolate crisp leads me to Kit Kat right away, so I'm just gonna say Kit Kat. Ding, ding, ding. Dang it. Kit Kat bar was originally introduced in the UK's Round Trees Chocolate Crisp. Two years later, it was renamed Kit Kat, consisting of several thin bars of chocolate-soaked wafer coated with chocolate. 
chocolate-soaked wafer. That's hmm. how they describe it. Hey, quit that. Quit, I'm, quit. I'm seeing how many X's <laughs> you I got have. two X's. Just two? Just the two, Just baby. Two. All right, your turn. I'm going to go well. Your turn. Oh, ding, dear. ding, ding. Okay. What candy bar was originally packaged to include three separate pieces of candy-flavored vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry? Was it Mounds, Mars Bar, Toblerone, or Three Musketeers? Oh, that's tricky. Because <laughs> you hear Three Musketeers, right. and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, it's that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say Mounds. Ah. Mounds is the coconut thing. I know, but they could have flavored. <laughs> They're three different flavored coconuts. And then they found out no one wanted chocolate, wanted coconut, chocolate or vanilla. Coconut. Or strawberry, strawberry, sorry. Coconut? Oh, that sounds <laughs> awful. <sighs> what is a Mars bar? I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever eaten it's... it. I love Toblerone, and I don't think it would be Toblerone. I feel like Mars Bar is similar to a Milky Way. Fun fact, Toblerone is Garrett from Dude Perfect's favorite candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say Three Musketeers. Why not? A smart move. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was first introduced in 1932. Really? Three Musketeers was packaged to include three separate pieces. One was flavored vanilla, one chocolate, one strawberry. Thus the name, Three Musketeers. Causing some confusion to tourists worldwide. So, so obvious with your <laughs> The candy. chocolate was the by far the most popular. And so they just like, let's just move to all chocolate. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Vanilla Three Musketeer would be weird. Yeah. The strawberry one would be good. Yeah. I feel like. All right. So one X already. <laughs> Number seven. What candy bar was called a Raider bar in France and Germany until 1991? Milky Way? Kit Kat, Topic, or Twix? I've never heard of a Topic candy bar. Me neither. Raider bar. A Raider bar. Until 1991. Let's just say Twix. I have no idea. Ding, hey, ding, good yay. job. The Twix candy bar, first introduced in 1979, was known as a Raider bar in France, Germany, and several other European countries until 1991, when Mars decided to standardize its name. The change was not well accepted in countries <laughs> such as Germany, where customers mocked the name change as a transparent attempt to sell more candy bars by simply updating the name. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that's what they're trying to do, right? Sell more candy bars? How dare you try how, and sell me more of this? How dare you sell things? <laughs> what candy bar claims to be named after one of U.S. President Grover Cleveland's children? Heath Bar? Baby Ruth? Violet Crumble or Clark Bar? You said the baby Ruth was named after. I did, but these all sound like a names. girl. And I, I have no idea about the other one. Let's ones. try the baby Ruth. All right. Good <laughs> job. I tried to throw you off. I you did. Was a... I knew you. I saw through it. <laughs> <laughs> this specific <laughs> trivia thing is bad because <laughs> it how, keeps how referencing I? previous things. Right. Uh, it's traditionally claimed Baby Ruth was named after President Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth Cleveland. Skeptics, however, are quick to point out that not only did Ruth Cleveland die 16 years before the introduction of the Baby Ruth bar, but the company had originally negotiated a failed endorsement deal with a legendary baseball player, Babe Ruth. 
Some have suggested that the secret that na secretly naming the candy bar after Ruth was a way to tie him to their product without paying any royalties. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Always a shrewd advertiser. Company founder Otto Schneering chartered a plane in 1923 to drop thousands of baby Ruth bars over the city of Pittsburgh, with each with its own mini parachute. <laughs> <laughs> His bargaining plan must have worked. Babe Ruth, Baby Ruth has gone on to become a top confectionery brand currently owned by Nestle. Wow. <laughs> That's, I think I saw that parodied on The Simpsons. All right. Oh, goodness. So, dang, have you only gotten the one wrong? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Can you please hurry up and get two wrong? No. In 1998, a warehouse worker in the UK was sentenced to five years in prison for stealing more than 300 tons of what candy bar? <laughs> <laughs> Mars bar, Kit Kat, Snickers, or Almond Joy? 300 tons? 300 tons? Holy Moses. How do you get that many stolen? I want to know the story. Um, let's say Mars bar. I don't know. Dang oh, it. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Boo. Wow. 1998, wow. Martin Keyes, a former shift manager at an Oxfordshire warehouse, was sentenced to five years in prison for stealing eight lorry loads of Mars bars worth approximately 70,000 pounds each. Pounds money-wise. Keyes attempted <laughs> to use his knowledge of the warehouse computer system to cover up the thefts. Stolen candy was said to have weighed more than 300 tons. That's insane. Well, I, I feel like that was my... Was such a black market for <laughs> Mars Mars. <laughs> this last question is garbage. It's the easiest thing on the planet to answer. I might not get it. Let me read it then. <laughs> What candy bar consists of a coconut center topped with an almond and coated in milk chocolate? Is it Mounds, Bounty, Zagnut, or Almond Joy? It's Almond Joy. Mounds, you say? Wrong. Don't do Zagnut, that. wrong. Hey. Bounty, wrong. Sorry. That's three X's you got mm -hmm. for that one. <laughs> Originally introduced by the Peter Paul Manufacturing Company in 1948, the Almond Joy Bar consists of a coconut center topped with an almond and coated with milk. I actually really love Almond Joys. Mm -hmm. The original Almond Joy candy bar sold for 10 cents. It's very similar mm -hmm. to the Mounds Bar introduced in 1921, which does not include almonds mm -hmm. and is coated with dark chocolate. People don't know that. I don't know that. You didn't know that? No. I knew it, and I'm so mad. No wonder every time I, I like hear, mounds better than almonds. <laughs> I'm so mad every time I hear, if you don't like the almond and almond joy, just get the mounds. It's the same candy bar. It's not the same candy bar. <laughs> it's got the same filling, but it's not the same bar. Okay? <laughs> Hershey's purchased the rights to almond joy in 1988. Good purchase, in my opinion. Well, I'm mad at you because you pulled that out. Cannot believe you got that last one right on the first guess. That was my chance. That was. It was. That was my chance for you to get at least two more X's mm -hmm. for me to win. Mm -hmm. Danger wins. Yay, yay. Two to one. Sheesh. All I do is win. <laughs> stop. You stop <laughs> it right now. That wraps up our trivia battle for the week. We're going to take another. Oh, I'm reading your line. Go ahead. What are you doing? We're going to take another <laughs> short break. But don't go anywhere. <laughs> I 
you were good. Small line, you didn't do a good job. Up next, I've got an interview with Thomas Manning, a rep from Operation Christmas Child, to share with us all about the major impact a small shoebox of gifts can have on the world. Stick around. Hey, fam. This is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Vandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I am a fan of stickers. Uh, see my laptop, Bible, anything, you'll, you'll know. I like stickers a lot. And I recently did a podcast with someone who does art and specifically also makes stickers. So when the podcast was over, um, I was like, you know what? I should buy some of this person's stickers. So I went to the website and I bought four stickers. I bought two for me and two different ones for my daughters. So four stickers. When I purchased them, I knew where they were going. I had the spots picked out in my mind. And I was totally cool with that because I knew <laughs> exactly where they were going. Um, but when the package came, he saw that it was me that ordered. And so he wanted to bless me and say thank you. So he gave me a ton of stickers. Um, and I'm talking like 20, <laughs> some postcards. He even gave me some in other languages. And now i'm literally sitting here looking at my desk at a pile of stickers that i don't know what to do with i don't know where to put them and it bothers me because i haven't put them anywhere they're just kind of taking up space and i feel like because i have these things i should use them and it reminds me of this story that jesus told in matthew 25 about how he gave uh, three different people different talents like different measurements of money and the first two like in the story these guys like actually um did what they were supposed to do they were faithful with the gifts and the master replied in verse matthew 25 23 says his master replied well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness but then when you get down um <laughs> to verse 26 there was one guy who literally just didn't do anything with what he was given and it says his master replied you wicked and lazy servant and you know what it reminds me that when we have gifts we have kind of a responsibility spiritually to use them and god's given you gifts and he's given me gifts and i want to be the good and faithful servant not the wicked and lazy one I also need to put these stickers somewhere. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds. Uh, I'm Radio Matt, and this is not my wife, Deidre. We have a fantastic interview today with uh, a friend of mine through the LTN community. His name is Thomas Manning. Uh, and he is also, in, in addition to being one of the volunteers and, and awesome people in LTN, he is the media support team member for Operation Christmas Child, uh, localized in Oklahoma. So you have your, your, your area is Oklahoma, but there's... All over the all over the United States and I'm sure beyond, 
uh, yeah, yeah, offices and areas. Uh, so we we have. I know a lot of people are getting you um, into spooky season right now. I mean, this is this is October, and you don't typically start thinking about Christmas. Uh, until after Halloween time, unless you walk into a Hobby Lobby uh, when it's Christmas all year round. Um, but <laughs> but uh, one of the big things that a lot of uh, area churches and a lot of believers have gotten into over the past 30 years, uh, this is the 30th year of this, I believe, is Operation Christmas Child, which is a ministry of Samaritan's Purse, uh, which is a, you might know it as like packing a shoebox. Uh, I didn't even, I never called it, I always called it Operation Shoebox for the longest time, so I never knew the, or never memorized the full name. But uh, before we get into talking about that, Thomas, I'd, I would love for you to introduce yourself uh, for the people that don't know you. Tell us a little bit about you before we dive in. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Um, you might have heard the voice, uh, like Radio <laughs> Matt was talking to us about, Um Let's see. You're listening to LTN Radio. That's right. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't even think to to mention LTN that Radio. he is yeah. <laughs> he is one of the two people we call the voice of LTN Radio. But he is definitely our our promo guy. He's the guy you hear every two or three songs on LTN yeah. Radio. <laughs> so, which we need to we need to do some refresher stuff. That's too, true. So we'll Christmas is coming that. too. Um, yeah, it's that time of the year. <laughs> um, but yeah. So aside from doing uh, voice lining and stuff, um, I've done audiobook production for many years. Uh, I've worked in and out of broadcasting. Um, at one point, I was on the radio for almost six years. Um, I've gone in and out of all different kinds of things. Um, but right now, uh, my focus is anything media-related that I am experienced in. So for OCC, for Operation Christmas Child, it's helping folks with um, networking, how to run Discord or Zoom calls, or uh, how to get in front of the camera and do exactly what we're doing right now, Matt. Um, this is the privilege that God has given me by just listening to him and listening to his word. And um, I, I asked him at one point, I said, Lord, I just want you to wreck my world. You know, I, I feel like things are things are great and good and all this, but I, I want to know you at a deeper level right now. And I got to tell you, Matt, you got to watch those types of scary prayers because whenever you ask him to do things, he starts bringing things to the table. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you're... Uh, your, your trust in God then gets tested because it's just now onto your position to do the thing <laughs> you to do. So um, to make a long story short, yeah, uh, I've just had this culmination of all different types of things over the years, and I'm playing a lot less video games nowadays. Um, I was streaming for a long period of time, and I just didn't know how that was going to hold pan out into this crazy world, and uh, was really just doing it just because I could. And yeah. just said to God, said, Lord, I, you see what I'm doing here, and you see what my, my heartfelt mission is. What, what can I do differently for you? And he said, get rid of all of it. And I was like, uh, don't do that. Why would you do that? No, no. And he said, That's because a fun thing. Yeah. you built everything that you did right here based off of the tool set that I gave you, Thomas. And because of that, you made your own feelings of you want it to look like this. You want it to sound like that. This is you know, how it's going to be. And during that whole process, you didn't let me control it. Mm. And it just, it rocked my world, man. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. And anybody that knows me, uh, I'd been around for a very long time in that field and just enjoying playing games, really only started streaming and stuff because I wanted to record my gameplay and go back and look at it and critique it and how did I get better and all this kind of stuff. Um, but after years of doing that, ended up 
just scrapping it all because it didn't matter. It wasn't what God wanted me to do in the first place. So um, through that whole mission, I just asked him, just, just make things evident for me. What are opportunities that I'm missing that I could be doing things for? And uh, Operation Christmas Child was, was right there on the forefront and took some shoeboxes in um, from watching a fellow streamer on Twitch, which by the way, if you're not already on there, uh, ukulele for worship, that's the number mm. four in the middle, ukulele for worship. And um, she's got an amazing ministry on there. Uh, she plays music all the time and it's just an amazing ministry. Um, but as part of that, uh, sharing the, the word of, of the gospel right there with her music, she also started packing shoe boxes on her stream. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, it inspired me so much that I too wanted to pack shoe box. And I remember seeing like what you said, um, it was the shoe box ministry. And I just didn't really think that much of it uh, until I took a shoe box in and it was actually four. We packed one for each of our family members. And whenever I took those shoe boxes in that day, I had no idea that they were gonna hand me this packet uh, that was asking me uh, to be a volunteer. And that was just before I had asked God, Lord, just wreck my world. And <laughs> he puts it right on the mission. So here we are. That's fantastic, man. So uh, as we said, uh, Operation Christmas Child celebrating its 30th year uh, this year. But there are still some folks out there that haven't really heard of it, or maybe at least they know about it, but they don't realize the scope of it all. Uh, so can you give us just a quick rundown of just what Operation Christmas Child is? Absolutely. Um, Samaritan, the Samaritan's Purse Project, Operation Christmas Child, aims to collect gift-filled shoeboxes that are packed with fun toys, uh, school supplies, and hygiene items, and then distributes those boxes worldwide to children of need all in hopes of giving them a tangible gift that can help represent God's love. And through your missions, and I say missions because it's not just packing, you're actually putting a global mission in each and every shoebox that you make for a child. Um, out of that becomes an amazing word of the gospel. And they're given an opportunity in each shoebox to come back later that evening and have uh, a mission given to them um, it's a project where they're able to look through uh, it's a 12-step uh, discipleship course where they're able to come closer to God and decide even ultimately if that's what they're wanting and they're feeling uh, th that calling to come and receive him. Um, so, yes, it's a good thing to have the wow items that we're going to talk about. You know, there's teddy bears, there's toys and stuff. Um, they need to have hygiene items and stuff, too. School supplies are always a great thing for children. Um, but... Aside from all of that, you're loving words inside those boxes and setting up a mission that you just, you don't really know. You just don't really know uh, exactly how deep it's going to go and what it's going to impact until you pray over it and just send it. You know, some of my favorite uh, videos that come out every year are usually like testimonies that are people often who are now working as a part of Operation, Operation Christmas Child that yeah. were one of the recipients of a box when they were a kid 20 years ago or, you know, 25 years ago. And I think that is just the coolest, like, track of your life to, to have, to have okay. that play out and come full circle and then be a part of it yourself. There, there's so many beautiful testimonies that they put out every year as part of the like promotion for churches to play and, and say, this is the real impact. It's a cool little gift, but yeah. it goes so much further. 
yeah. These, the, <laughs> I'm not an easy crier. These are the ones that get me to cry in the middle of service. Yes. <laughs> and if you would ever have the privilege of meeting some of them, yeah. um, it would hit you just as well there too. Because I, I know what it's like sometimes in the media side of things. They can make things look real pretty in a package. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that, you know. I'm telling you guys, um, I've had the pleasure of meeting not one, but two shoebox recipients and, uh, both of them, Edward and Becky, oh, an amazing story. Um, I could go on for a long time. I'm not going to do that. I'll share that with you at a later <laughs> point, but go back and check it out. Edward and Becky and Desiree Nunn, um, both of those people, uh, just amazing individuals. And to think that they came from homes that were beyond anything that any of us should be able to. To understand we shouldn't be able to see that any more than they should um but god was able to find them the diamonds in a rough that they are just like every single one of us matt and met them right in that moment where they were through a shoebox gift mm-hmm. and then to rise up and to bring them even further to see them come full circle like what you're saying where now they're packing shoe boxes and, and inspiring other people too to do the same it's amazing it's beautiful so yeah. How does someone who has never done this get started? It's really not that hard. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say here in North America, we do you have shoes? I mean, <laughs> right? And I don't want to sound like that, but everybody should have shoes. And if we don't have shoes, um, then we need to be like what we're doing here with Operation Christmas Child and sending shoes because we need shoes. And just about all of us in our homes here, um, we've got shoe boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least if they're not in the home, they're readily available. Go out and buy a new pair of shoes, put them in the box that you're, you're buying for. So um, there's so many opportunities to be able to pack a shoe box. It's right there and ready for you. Uh, just how do you get started is the main thing. And I'd seen the program for years, uh, seen it at the church and stuff. And I was like, hey, that's, that's cute. That's a nice thing. Send some toys to the kids. Um, but once you start uh, understanding through little brochures like this guy uh, exactly what is needed, um, your heart starts to get pulled there. Um, the final message, though, Matt, was once I understood uh, that they not only had the opportunity of receiving Jesus in each one of those boxes, but if they complete the 12-step course, um, they also get their own Bible. And mm. I was just like, oh, Man, this this is big. This isn't just some pencils and erasers and a teddy bear. This is this is the eternal moment. So, but that's what people need to do. Um, they're usually most of the churches that are around and in, in every state that I've seen uh, has a program that's going on. Uh, but if you can't find it, and we'll talk about it more here, uh, SamaritansPurse.org uh, forward slash OCC. And on there, there's lots of options to be able to uh, go and find a location. Uh, you can pack a shoebox just from your home, or you can purchase them uh, online, or you can go to your churches and get them, even at Hobby Lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's all types of options <clears throat> around there. Yeah, several and then they usually have guides that you just go through. Right. So, several years ago, um, you really had to find your own shoebox. So you had to get your right. own actual shoeboxes or go get one of those big pencil cases from, from Walmart or something, those cheap plastic pencil cases. But now, now in, in, several, in the last I don't know, decade or so, they've, they've come out with their own. There's a few behind you in the image that you have behind you, but their own oh, yeah. folded, folded, uh, like you fold them up yourself kind of shoebox. Oh, I thought that was a back. I thought that was a green screen image. I really did. No, oh, that's a real box. Thing. Uh, so yeah, one of those fold up, but then that, that freaked me out right there. I genuinely thought that was green screen and then you just pull it out. 
Um, but there's also uh, at Hobby Lobby, they sell like really hard, thick plastic ones. Uh, and as well, they usually have those pamphlets uh, in like a little section that they have set up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've always heard that. Yeah. Like that. I've always heard that the big hard plastic ones are often a gift in and of itself because they don't break easily like the pencil case plastic ones do. And they can be used like in in some, if it's like a village, they could be used to gather water. They could be used to store things uh, of importance, which is a big deal, but those always run out at Hobby Lobby so fast. Yes, they do. Yeah. So that's a good thing though. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So if you want to get one, go try and get one now. Um, So when we're packing a shoebox. can you can you give us some examples of some good things to add into a shoebox? Sure. Like absolutely. we mentioned, like we mentioned, a wow item. Yeah, the what we call the wow item is the big gift. This is the one that whenever you open that box as a child, you're going to be wowed by anything that's in there. Sure. But this is usually the item that's right on top, and this is the big image statement. It might be a yo-yo. It might be a teddy bear. Uh, it could be a jump rope or maybe a baby doll or something like that. Um, but we've said like child- deflated soccer balls, like oh, with yeah. a little, um, little hand pump, a tiny one. Yeah. yeah those have been yeah. good. Yeah. Um, a flashlight. Mm. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of things that are out there. Um, but what's, what you're looking for is the, the look on that child's face whenever they open that box and they immediately see on top, they're like, oh, and that's, that's your wow gift. Okay. Yeah. Um, from there, you're going to go to personal care items, um, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing, but it doesn't have to be. So you're, we're looking for like uh, for a comb or a toothbrush, uh, uh, maybe like a washcloth. They have like the, the ones that are suctioned down now, and that way they don't take up a lot of extra space in the box. Oh, the, um, the dehyde, like the, yeah, the ones that you add water to and it kind of opens up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they're, they're real suctioned down like that. Um, Suction isn't the right word, but that's what we're using today. Yeah, I can't so, think of the word either. <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't that funny how we talk? Um, but then there's other things, and we'll talk about the no list too, but like toothpaste and mouthwash or something, you know, there's nothing like that that's going to be included. But um, but just personal care items. And then finally, you'd want to do like um, school supplies. So think about things that a child this age uh, would be, which by the way, it's uh, we're looking for girls and boys ages two to four, five to nine, and then 10 to 14. And out of those ages, if you can imagine them going to school, things that you would be buying your own children, or maybe if you don't have kids yet, things that you would see kids carrying, you know, pencils, erasers, um, scissors are okay. They want the little safety scissors, you know, things like that. Um, but it's, it's things like that that really make a big difference for them because then they can take those items and use them uh, to either find their schooling set up. Some of them don't even have schools and they're just trying to find their way. So it's a great way to get things mm. started. Um, or they could use those school supplies. And as a parent with two children, I know what it feels like every year. I'm just like, Hey, we got to go get stuff fast because it's going to sell out. Um, and then on top of that, we'll get extra stuff for the kids for the shoe boxes too. Beautiful. Uh, and so, so you mentioned a couple no-nos, uh, so no, no toothpaste, no mouthwash, nothing that's like liquid or gel, right? Yeah, that's important. I want to go off of the list and actually read it because okay. these items like candy is a, is a big one. People want to put like uh, chocolates or something in there. Yeah, you used to be able to put like hard candies and stuff in there a while yeah, back, but that's changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just want to say no candies because even with the hard candies, they have a tendency to melt. Mm. And we don't want to see the box get tainted, have the items that are inside of it all stuck together and mess the whole thing up. Sure. So um, don't mess up the process. Just no candy. Uh, toothpaste, gum, uh, no items that are from like of war. So to get uh, an army man or something might seem like a normal thing to do for a boy. but. Right probably wouldn't want to put that into a shoebox like this. Instead, get him a, a wrestling figurine or something like I see in your background <laughs> there, uh, or a pop figurine, mm -hmm. um, something that uh, represents something from America. They love having that um, because that gives them a piece of someone else that they've never met before. Mm. And now the dreams can start to open up and God can start to witness from those items. Because as the child looks at that item, they start past the whole point of excitement and awe, they start to see, what is this? And then they start thinking, why, why did I get this? Who sent this to me? Why would they send it to me? And now God can come in and, and show them because I love you. Someone that doesn't even know you, I love you. And I want you to be the best that you can be. I want you to know the blood of Jesus has saved you if you just receive him. And now we start seeing this gospel message landed uh, through what would normally just be a, a box of just things. And uh, we, we said that in doing this, sometimes you might not have uh, direct access to like a, a church that's doing this in your area, or maybe you're, you're homebound or, or, you know, you can't actually get out and go do this kind of thing. There is a, a relatively new option here in the last few years, correct? That if they wanted to pack a shoebox on their own, of course, you can find, if you are packing like a physical one, you can find a drop-off location that you said, you said at SamaritansPurse.com slash OCC. And we'll have all these links in the description, every link that he uh, mentions and probably some that he's not going to mention. We're going to have every possible link you could need uh, to get involved in the description and on the, on LoveThyNerd.com. Uh, but for those that can't make a, a physical one, there's an online option. You can build a box. Uh, oh, build a shoebox. There we go. Perfect. QR code. QR code right there. Things, so you can scan it on my side. There you go. Um, you can do that right on your phone right now. Um, but what build a shoebox does is it gives the consumers that are just so busy. I get it. We're, we're busy. We have all these things going on, but we really have uh, that pull in, in the spirit to, to do the right thing, to just simply take a moment. Um, but sometimes going to the store isn't the moment. Like you said, maybe they're homebound and they can't. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a great option. Build a box online. Uh, you just go on there. Um, they ask you to do a $25 donation, but out of that, uh, you get to pick the items and stuff, and it's amazing uh, what gets done through that. Um, another thing to know about this process is that if you build your shoebox through this, um, you're going to have top priority to some of the most war-ridden areas. And I never knew that part of it until just the last couple of months. And now that I do see that, I, we're going to do both the physical boxes and we're going to build some online too um, because those are the ones that go to uh, some of the areas that they can't just get the, the normal stuff to because it's, it's faster for them to be able to do that. So mm. it's a very good thing. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about yet, Matt, is that uh, for a single $10 donation, um, and that's both online here or with the physical boxes, um, it activates a QR code. Uh, that's included in the box. So like, for instance, this is a this is the pamphlet on the back of it. 
uh, you got the little label thing, you mark if it's a boy or a girl, uh, what the sex is, and then you scan the QR code. If you donate $10, it then links your account to that child's box. So whenever it gets delivered, you're able to see where it was delivered to. And that's a really good thing for our family. We were able to see that. And it's such a ministry to know that people are in those areas. And now I can pray specifically for them. And then if you go one step further and in their physical box, if you pack a little message or something inside of there, um, they even like to have that correspondence back with the kids too. Mm. So if you want to have an email address or something, send a photo of your family. Um, tell them, hey, we love you because God's asked us to do something and we're acting. And I just want you to know. And then they put that message in there. Now they could correspond back to you too. So anything like that, um, that just keeps you involved with it and realizing what a true blessing it is. And it goes beyond just being some items put in a box. Sure. And that, that, that is a, a, an awesome like gift for that $10 donation, but that $10 is, it's, it's important because that's how much it costs to actually ship these boxes. Yes. Right. So those $10 cover the, the shipping costs around the globe, uh, for it. And so it's, it's a gift for, Hey, if you're going to help us get it there, you get to yeah. see how it goes. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, very much needed. After the boxes are collected, uh, which is about the beginning of November, do you have the exact dates? I don't have the exact yeah, dates. November 13th through the 20th. Okay, so it's and in the middle of November this year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always the, the final week before Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Um, so just kind of remember that. Uh, and it's uh, Thanksgiving kind of closes that time period of it off, and then they open up. Uh, the shoebox receiving centers um, to put all the shoeboxes together and then they'll start to distribute those across the world. But yeah, November 13th through the 20th. So that's coming up really quick. Yeah. Not too late for uh, you to, to jump in and get, get some no. of these built and, and get ready. Not. Even, even not enough, plenty of time to start a whole campaign at your church if your church has never done this, yes. uh, but yes. it is time to get on it and get working. And so after they get uh, brought in, in the, in the, the day, the, the, what, what is it even called? Collection week. There we go. Collection yeah, week. National, yeah. collection, national collection week. week. Uh, then it goes to processing centers, right? Right. Like we have different areas across uh, America. That's correct. And they have them in just about every major city that's across America. Uh, of course, we're needing to have volunteers just like you. And to be a fact, today is the day. Um, that processing centers are now open to you to be able to come and reserve a spot to come in and actually help inspect these shoe boxes because each and every one of the shoe boxes that are donated are opened and checked to make sure that everything that's in there is legit and then it's good because a child's going to be opening this, okay? Um, the other thing is, is that for some reason there was things inside that weren't as uh, as specific as what we were looking for. Um, we'll go ahead and pack some filler things in there too. Uh, they call it shoebox rehab. <laughs> and they're like, hey, this is, this is where it needs to be rehabilitated. So they put some extra things in there. Um, but those those dates and times are available on the website. Uh, if you just go on to SamaritansPurse.org and uh, you can look at all the major cities. Uh, for instance, uh, December the 8th, um, I'll be volunteering in Coppell, Texas and uh, going and seeing exactly what that's all about. Um, I'll be taking some video and stuff and I can share that with you guys too, if you'd like. Um, it's gonna be an amazing experience. I know that it is, uh, but just to see the enormity of it and to realize the message of Jesus is in each and every one of these boxes that already have amazing things inside that each and every one of those kids want. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So along with that, they get to understand the reason why someone truly loves them, even from afar. And volunteering in these process centers is uh, a very fulfilling um, yeah. ministry in and of itself. There was a, there's a woman, her name was Donna Gee, who she, she was, she was, she was elderly when I first met her, but she was very active on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And so back when I was on Twitter making stupid church jokes for, you know, to pass all my time. Uh, she was one of the few people that really connected with me early on. And she was uh, confined to a wheelchair, um, didn't really have a family, never, uh, never had children or anything like that. But she was active in her church and had a lot of few, a lot of, you know, surrogate grandchildren and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And her church got involved with Operation Christmas Child. And she loved it so much that she made it a point every year to go to the processing center that's closest to her and volunteer the entire time. And like she, I mean, she was, she was an older lady and she had a hard time getting around, but she was, she'd die before she'd miss uh, getting to go volunteer for this because that was such a, that was one of the few things that she could really do uh, in in her physical condition uh, to touch the lives of all these children that, you know, she'd always wanted kids and didn't have a chance to have one. Now she got to be kind of a surrogate grandma to children all over the world uh, yeah. by being a part of this ministry as much as she could. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, um, but she, she was a very loving woman. And that was one of the things I admired about her the most is just how much she loved this ministry and poured her heart into it. I'm so glad that you shared that, Matt, because that's the thing that has really just resonated with me uh, is Operation Christmas Child gives me uh, what I would consider to have been the the all-American dad, you know, that I've got the wife and kids and I've got a job and I've got all these things, you know, that are keeping me busy. Even things that I see you guys with LTN and I felt afar because I'm not able to go to all the geek conventions and do all mm. these cool things. I just, I can't take that time away from my family at this particular time of life. But through prayer, God showed me that there are a lot of other ways that you can fulfill that missional need. That's something that's inside of all of us as Christians, that truly we're not operating at our fullest potential, what he's actually got a calling on our lives to do, if we're not actively seeking some type of missions. And if you're like me, and you're not able to go out and do all these things, there are people that will take these boxes of the most amazing ministries for you worldwide. And, oh man, you're making a big impact. And it's not just the kids, Matt. Those kids get to open that box, and then they take those things home to their families. Mm-hmm. And they talk to them about exactly what's happened. And the family's just like, wow, what's why did you get all this stuff? What you got going on with it? And from there, it can start to bloom and bloom. And I've seen uh, through the ministry field, these children take home a shoebox and end up getting a church in their hometown. And now we've got people that are getting saved, Matt, from mm-hmm. what was just simply a, a kid's box with a teddy bear and some racers and stuff. And it's got the mission of Jesus inside. <laughs> and that really is the e- eternal impact that is is the the end goal the end focus of yes. uh again what what seems like a small little gift uh turning into a a not just a life-changing experience for the receiver but for the whole community around them 
it's changing, changing the world, man. It's, it's, it's doing exactly what the Bible said of, you know, taking the gospel to all corners of the globe. And it's such a beautiful way of doing it. Psalms 4810, as your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. And he's asked us too to send all those messages to the ends of the earth. <laughs> all right. Share with us one more time all the ways you can get connected with uh, Operation Christmas Child. And again, all these links will be in the description of the video and the podcast and all that. The, the main one that you want to go to is this SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC. That's Operation Christmas Child. And once you go there, it'll have all the options on there for uh, building a shoebox online. Um, that one is SamaritansPurse.org forward slash build online. No spaces. Um, there's opportunities for you to get involved beyond just doing a shoebox. Um, all of the packets and stuff that were given to me whenever I went to go deliver my shoeboxes, they then handed that to me, and I got to go online at home and realize that there are positions that people like me was needed for. In the very front of it, it's the media support role. <laughs> so if you're like me and you have a media bug and you love all this stuff – but you just don't know how all that plays out. Uh, maybe you're stuck just playing games and streaming online and you don't know what the calling is. There's something more for you to do. There are positions available that you can come and fill. It's amazing. Uh, right there in your own hometown, prayer organizations, there's student relations, uh, logistics, leadership missions, community relations, church relations, and administrative support roles. Um, just about anything that you can think about uh, in any major corporation, if you're used to working in big box stores like I did for years, all of these names are current roles that some of you are actually participating in right now and earning money uh, for your families. Um, but God's needing that, that role, the skill set that he's blessed you with. He needs them in an organization like this, spreading the gospel message across the globe. So... Do what you can. Start small. Pack a shoebox. Shoe you know, makes it makes that impact, uh, irregardless. But once you realize uh, the eternal security that's being delivered through these boxes, and coming to understand that Jesus is the one and only way, oh, man, Matt, it's I couldn't help but just lay down everything else that I was doing and get involved. That's fantastic, Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Uh, thank you Thanks for sharing for your heart, man. It's 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 been an absolute pleasure to talk with you this morning. Uh, everyone listening, take a breather. We'll be back here in just a bit to close out the show. Uh, but until then, thanks again, Thomas. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I'm Tyranny Albright, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today, I'm reviewing the YouTube channel One Shot Questers. One Shot Questers is a comedy channel focusing on TTRPGs, primarily Dungeons & Dragons, that releases multiple videos a week. They range from comedy sketches and shorts to reacting to RPG horror stories, and the humor is often PG or PG-13. Ran by content creator Duke Davis, who got his start during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, when he, like many current content creators, got on TikTok and began making hilarious shorts. 
Duke added longer form content for YouTube, providing even quick videos about what Dungeons & Dragons is. The channel has branched into other YouTube channels, such as one-shot campaigns, where Duke and his friends have a new live play that combines D&D and City of Mist, and one-shot kitchens, where Duke is making wonderfully babish-like D&D cooking videos, and yes, both of those are spelled with a Q-U instead of a K. Dungeons & Dragons is my favorite game, period. I love games, especially fantasy, and I really love stories. I finally had the opportunity to learn D&D 5th edition about 8 years ago and have been hooked since. So naturally, once I downloaded TikTok while bored in 2020 like everyone else, my For You page was quickly filled with TTRPG content. This is how I found Duke in the One Shot Questers channel and found his videos so funny that I just had to share them with my friends. I have followed him since, and I even support him on Patreon. I find his wit and humor hilarious, his writing and acting charming, and he has a knack for making even the most ridiculous sketch be very relatable for D&D fans. One Shot Questers has done live shows and events like Gen Con, streams on Twitch, non-Dungeons & Dragons specific content, and has even created a paladin subclass for D&D, a paladin who has taken the oath of throwing it back, a long-running OSQ joke, and surprisingly, a fun homebrew. I have had the pleasure of meeting Duke in person, and he is just a downright great guy. Very kind, very funny, very personable. And for me, knowing that the person behind the content is just an awesome person makes the content even better. His language is clean, though there is an adult joke or two on occasion. He is quick-witted, and he and his crew are genuinely nice, talented people. If you love Dungeons & Dragons, TTRPGs in general, want to check them out, or just want to laugh you can share with nerdy friends, you should check out One Shot Questers on YouTube and TikTok. You can also follow them on all socials and Twitch, and support on Patreon or even join their Discord server. That's all for this review. Once again, I'm Tyranny Albright. For more TTRPG chat with me, join the Love Thy Nerd Discord server or follow me on threads at Silver Soul Gaming and follow me on Twitch under Silver Soul Streams. And remember, check for traps, don't split the party, and always protect your wizards. Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's official weekly nerdy news show. I'm Randy Matt. And I'm Deidre. To wrap up the show today, we want to dive into a bit of nostalgia. There are a few, okay. few nerdy things that we love celebrating anniversaries this week. Okay. Right? So this mm -hmm. coming week. Uh, today, October 9th in 1996, Clark Kent and Lois Lane got married Aww. for the first time in the comics. For the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got, they've been married many times. Right. In the comics was right. first. Uh -huh. <laughs> then almost immediately after, they got married on The Adventures of Lois and Clark, which was the Dean Cain-led Superman yes. series. Uh-huh. With uh -huh. uh, Terry Hatcher. Is that who it was? Terry Hatcher? I don't know why you think I'm going to know the name Terry of an actor or Hatcher. Actress. Uh, Lois Lane? Is that a thing? Yes, Terry Hatcher. Uh, so they got married, uh, like, pr pr if I'm remembering right, it was like in tandem. Uh, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, yes, and then Tristan both say, yes, Terry Hatcher. Move on. Uh, they got mar married pretty quickly, uh, alongside the comic book, if I'm recalling correctly. Then we also saw them almost get married. In Smallville? Right? Like, at the very end, did, they were going to get married, and then things happened, 
and then they just didn't. And then they teased that it happened several years later when they were wrapping it up. Or no, it was going to happen that day. Like they flash forward at the very end scene of Smallville. Uh-huh. And it's like, that was their new wedding day. And it's like, don't be late kind of thing. Okay. Because he had to go save somebody. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. And I, I'm sure there have been other references. I don't know if they remarried in the New 52 comic universe or not. I don't think so. They had Clark Kent, uh, Mackinac, Wonder Woman. <laughs> so that was weird. <laughs> Uh, on October 10th of 2012, Arrow premiered, which okay. uh, a couple years later would spawn The Flash, mm-hmm. Legends mm-hmm. of Tomorrow, whole Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of big crossovers in that, which mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing for superhero TV movies. Like the close or TV shows, the closest we got, we would have like other Justice League characters come to Smallville. Right. And those were always cool. Mm-hmm. But they didn't all have their own show. Right. It was just a... It was just like it would bring in any special guests and they would come in every Didn't they then. try and start? They tried to start an Aquaman show. Yeah. But it wasn't starring Aquaman from Smallville. Oh. It was who eventually became Oliver Queen, Justin Hartley. Okay. Uh, in Smallville. And so he tried to start it. It was all right. Mercy Reef is what they were going to call it. Okay. And that was a weird time because they released it on iTunes. The, <laughs> the pilot that was already can't like they were not moving forward with it. They're like, okay, well, we made this cool thing, so we're going to put it on iTunes. Here you go. Go on. It was strange. That doesn't really happen. I think I remember you having <laughs> me watch it. But uh, there was a crossover with the Flash TV series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what we're going to get into here. So Supergirl was then brought into the fold. Mm -hmm. So like the flash was started softly in arrow. Like we met Barry Allen in arrow Mm -hmm. first and he didn't have any powers. He was just a forensics guy. And then he starts his own show, gets his powers and we see him like learning how to be a superhero from Oliver queen. Mm -hmm. Really cool stuff. Starts Mm -hmm. a fantastic show dipped a little at the end. That's all right. First couple seasons, bonkers good. Real good. Crossed over with Supergirl, and The Flash accidentally leaps into the multiverse across into a different universe. Okay. Supergirl was not in the same universe originally. And that was even cooler because she wasn't technically a part of the Arrowverse. She was created by some of the same people, but she was on a whole different channel. Right. At the time, Supergirl was on a whole different network. Like, that was a cool deal. (laughs) Uh, But then eventually she got brought over to uh, CW when they were going to be canceled. They did a bunch of cool, really big crossovers that, like, every show had an episode that was a part of it. Right. Last one being Crisis on Infinite Earths, their interpretation of that, which is where all of the properties of DC. We're folding in onto this one thing. So mm-hmm. classic movies, old TV shows. They brought back a few characters from old TV shows, like even like obscure ones, like the Birds of Prey series that lasted, I think, one season. Huh. They brought them back for a cold open. Uh, they had the original Barry Allen Flash TV show, like reprises. Well, like he was in uh-huh. The Flash, too, as his dad. He was Henry Allen, and then he was Jay Garrick as well. But, like, okay. they had him reprise his Barry Allen role. 
okay. for this, which is really cool. Uh, but they did go back and see Smallville because mm-hmm. they were trying to find, I think it was like the paragons of the multiverse, something like that. And they were trying to find a specific Superman that's supposed to be one of the paragons. And they go to Smallville and see Clark Kent and Lois Lane from Smallville, which was really cool. Right. Uh, right. I won't spoil that scene for you. Go see it yourself. It was really, it was fun. Yeah. I had hoped there would be more. I had hoped when, you know, there were rumors that he was going to be involved, right. that like, he was going to be involved. Right. We still haven't got to see him fly. We didn't get to see him. Not real. Not really. Very obscured stuff, mm-hmm. but that's all right. Anyway, Arrowverse <laughs> kind of petered out at the end, but the bulk of it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun. Mm-hmm. On October 11th, 1975, Saturday Night Live premiered. Oh, wow. And then on the same day in 2006, 30 Rock premiered, huh. which was kind of a lampoon on the behind the scenes of a sketch comedy variety show like Saturday Night Live. That's cool. Uh, Tina Fey, brilliant in that show. Mm-hmm. SNL, obviously a star making machine. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Norm MacDonald, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Eddie Murphy, Mike Myers, Chris Farley, David Spade, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Andy Samberg, Jason Sudeikis, Will Forte, Amy Poehler, Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey. SNA has had, SNA, SNL has had uh, off years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, it's not as good as it used to be overall. But there are always bright spots in the cast. Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis, uh, Sudeikis specifically, fantastic recent uh SNL cast members who have gone on to do some of the funniest and coolest stuff. We had Last Man on Earth with Will Forte. Oh, And Jason Sudeikis was his brother. Mm -hmm. He showed up every now and then. Mm -hmm. Jason Sudeikis just wrapped up three seasons of Ted Lasso, which is the most wholesome TV show on the planet to also be absolutely full of curse words. (laughs) But it is so good. (laughs) If you can get around the cursing thing, it's such a good show. <laughs> but uh, just just like Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler mm-hmm. making movies mm-hmm. for years, they they define comedy for our teenage years, right? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even now, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> On October thirteenth, two thousand five, Apple released the first iPod that was able to play videos. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, do you recall that I got my first iPod? I got my first iPod at the like the beginning of 2005, and it was the one right before the video, and we <laughs> didn't were, know the video was coming out. And you were upset, and I was very mad. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> I got the one that can show pictures. It's <laughs> like two years later, I think we finally, I finally was able to get the video one, oh. and the screen was tiny. I mean, right. it's like, right, you know. It's like these big, it's like a two inch screen, Yeah, uh-huh. but you were able to buy episodes of shows like separate episodes on iTunes for like a dollar a piece minimum. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about with mercy reef with the Aquaman pilot. You could buy it there on right. iTunes and watch it. Uh, and you could watch them on this teeny tiny postage stamp screen. <laughs> I remember buying a lot of the original seasons of power Rangers because they were on there for a dollar a piece. 
And this was when you were working at Sonic. We were living in, in at the college. Uh-huh. And I was walking, remember? Like every night you would work, I would walk from the college all the way to Sonic, which was the complete opposite side of town, and uh-huh. walk all the way back. And as I was walking, I'd just be sitting there watching Power Rangers. <laughs> this will take my mind off the fact that I'm exercising. <laughs> Did it work? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, because I wasn't paying attention to where I was walking. <laughs> if it was a nice, uh, flat sidewalk the whole way there, I could probably have gotten away with it. Uh, I watched it a lot at work, too. I worked at the radio station, my dad's radio station. Uh, there was like this. There wasn't a whole lot of variety of what you could download from iTunes. Uh-huh. I remember finding this like prank show that I think was originally on Nick at Night, and it was parents pranking their kids. But there was like five seasons of it. Oh, my gosh. And so I would just sit there and watch these weird parents pranking their kids prank shows at work while I'm doing all this busy work nonsense that I had to do. (laughs) I'd like transfer a whole bunch of written files to typed files. It was was awful. (laughs) I had to do things like go through all of our files from the past 10 years and uh, mark out every social security number or something so we could then shred them like you have to do that before you shred them so people can't like grab all the shreddings and put them together as a weird weird rules that you had to do but stuff that they had never done and never thought to do (laughs) i'm gonna say there's this amazing company called shred it right that you can use and so you don't that have costs, to do that. That costs money. That costs much more money than the minimum wage I was getting paid. <sighs> anyway, it was fun. That was kind of the start though. That was kind of the start of smartphones. It was like that was right. the next the right. next leap mm-hmm. was the iPhone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so having pretty clear, I mean it was small, so you didn't have to make it, you know, HD. Right. But making very clear, good looking TV mm-hmm. playing on your tiny little device. Like it wasn't the weird phone, flip phone TV that was like a frame every right. two seconds. <laughs> and it was super blurry still, even being on a tiny screen. <clears throat> it, was, it was a change. And then uh, last thing on here October 14th, 1926, the first Winnie the Pooh book. Was oh, awesome. You loved Winnie the Pooh. I did, yeah. You still love Winnie the Pooh, uh-huh. but not as much. I We had, there was like a show that they released on a bunch of VHSs, mm-hmm. and it's not anywhere online. It really isn't, yeah. I had I'm a bunch sad. of those VHSs, VHSs too. My yeah. grandmother would buy them all. So yeah. every time I went to see my grandma, I'd be watching Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Um, Why aren't they on Disney? Are they Disney prop? Yeah, I guess they are. Yeah. Why aren't they on Disney? Are they on Disney? Have you looked? I looked. Hmm. I'll look again. Maybe they just hadn't gotten. I know they got their movies, like the the Tigger movie and the Heffalump movie. Mm -hmm. Piglet Piglet, movie. Piglet's movie. Uh Yeah. But those old classic TV shows, Mm -hmm. it was like, they would put like five on a VHS. Yeah. It was like these short stories. As many as they could Uh cram onto Mm -hmm. a VHS back then. Mm Mm-hmm. They were fun. I, I remember there was it. one that was like scary. I think it was a heffalump one. Probably. It was very, <clears throat> pardon me, Dum- <laughs> Dumbo S. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hold on. I have a superpower. <clears throat> Do it. 
<laughs> and they are gone. Beat the hiccup. The hiccup is gone. <laughs> Be the hiccup. Beat the hiccup. Uh, well, that's everything. We hope you had a fantastic day. We thank you for making Rise and Shine Nerds a part of it. Catch us every Monday on YouTube, LTN Radio, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Catch up on all 44 episodes of the show before this one at lovethynerd.com slash rise and shine. And tell us what you think of the show via our socials at Rise and Shine LTN on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. I'm Daedra. And as always, a reminder. Jesus loves you, nerd. Jesus loves you, nerd.